Stand By for Places presents William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night Directed by Alexandra Kopko Give me some music. Now, good morrow, friends. Now, good Cesario, but that piece of song, that old and antique song we heard last night, methought it did relieve my passion much, more than light airs and recollected terms of these most brisk and giddy-paced times. Come, but one verse. She is not here, so please, your lordship, that should sing it. Who was it? Festi, the jester, my lord, a fool that the Lady Olivia's father took much delight in. She is about the house. Seek her out and play the tune the while. Come hither, boy. If ever thou shalt love, in the sweet pangs of it remember me. For such as I am all true lovers are, unstayed and skittish in all motions else save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. How dost thou like this tune? It gives a very echo to the seat where love is throned. <sighs> thou dost speak masterly, my life upon it, young though thou art, thine eye hath stayed upon some favor that it loves, hath it not, boy? A little, by your favor. What kind of woman is t- Of your complexion. She is not worth thee, then. <laughs> what years, Efate? About your years, my lord. Ah, oh, too old, by heaven. <laughs> ah! Oh, Festi, come. The song we had last night, mark it, Cesario. It is old and plain, the spinsters and the knitters in the sun, and the free maidens that weave their thread with bones. Do use to chant it, it is silly sooth, and dallies with the innocence of love like the old age. Are you ready, sir? Aye, pray thee, sing. Come away, come away, death, and in such cypress let me be laid. Fly away, fly away, breath, I am slain by a fair cruel maid. My shroud of white stuck There's for thy pains. No pains, sir. 
I take pleasure in singing, sir. I'll pay thy pleasure, then. Truly, sir, and pleasure will be paid one time or another. <laughs> Give me now leave to leave thee. <laughs> no, the melancholy god protect thee, and the tailor make thy doublet of changeable taffeta, for thy mind is a very opal. I would have men of such constancy put to sea, that their business might be everything and their intent everywhere, for that's it that always makes a good voyage of nothing. Farewell. Let all the rest give place. Once more, Cesario, get thee to yon same sovereign cruelty. Tell her my love, more noble than the world, prizes not quantity of dirty lands. The parts that fortune hath bestowed upon her, tell her, I hold as giddily as fortune. <laughs> but tis that miracle and queen of gems that nature pranks her in attracts my soul. But if she cannot love you, sir... I cannot be so answered. Sooth, but you must. Say that some lady, as perhaps there is, hath for your love as great a pang of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her, you tell her so. Must she not then be answered? There is no woman's sides can bide the beating of so strong a passion as love doth give my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much, but they lack retention. Alas, their love may be called appetite, no motion of the liver, but the palate. They suffer surfeit, cloyment, and revolt, but mine is all as hungry as the sea and can digest as much. Make no compare between that love a woman can bear me and that I owe Olivia. I, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In faith, they are as true of heart as we. My father had a daughter, loved a man, as it might be, perhaps, were I a woman, I should your lordship... And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love, but let concealment, like a worm i' the bud, feed on her damask cheek. She pined in thought, and with a green and yellow melancholy, she sat like patience on a monument. Smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed? We men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than will. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. But die thy sister of her love, my boy. I am all the daughters of my father's house. And all the brothers too. And yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, that's the theme. To her in haste, give her this jewel, say, uh, My love can give no place, bide no denay. Come thy way, Signor Fabian. They all come. If I lose a scruple at this spot, let me be boiled to death with melancholy. Wouldst thou not be glad to have the rascally sheep-biter come by some notable shame? I would exalt, man. You know he brought me out of favor with my lady about a bear-biting here? But to anger him, we'll have the bear again, and we will fool him black and blue. Shall we not, Sir Andrew? And we do not. It is P 
pity of our lives. Oh, here comes the little villain. How now, my metal of India? all three into the box tree. Malvolio's coming down this walk. He has been yonder in the sun practicing behavior to his own shadow this half hour. <laughs> Observe him for the love of mockery, for I know this letter will make a contemplative idiot of him. Close in the name of jesting. Lie thou there. For here comes the trout that must be caught with tickling. <laughs> Is but fortune. All is fortune. Maria once told me she did affect me, and I have heard herself come thus near that should she fancy it should be one of my complexion. Besides, she uses me with a more exalted respect than anyone else that follows her. What should I think on? Here's an old meaning rogue. Oh, please. Contemplation makes a rare turkey cock of him. Oh, how he jets under his advance, the plume. Slight. I could beat the rogue. Peace, I say. To be Count Malvolio. Ah, rogue! Pistol him! Pistol him! Peace! Peace! There is example for it. The lady of the Strachy married the omen of the wardrobe. Fie on him, Jezebel. Oh, peace. Now he's deeply in Look how imagination blows him. Having been three months married to her, sitting in my state oh, for a stone bow to hit him in the eye, calling my officers about me in my branched velvet gown, having come from a daybed where I have left Olivia sleeping. Fire and brimstone! Oh, peace, peace! And then... To have the humor of state, and after a demure travel of regard, telling them I know my place, as I would they should do theirs, to ask for my kinsman, Toby. Bolts and shackled. Oh, peace, peace, peace. Now, now. Seven of my people with an obedient start make out for him. I frown the while and perchance wind up my watch or play with my some rich jewel. Toby approaches, curtsies there to me. Shall this fellow live? Though our silence be drawn from us with cause, yet peace. I extend my hand to him thus, quenching my familiar smile with an austere regard of control. Does not Toby take you blow with the lips then? Saying, Cousin Toby, my fortunes having cast me on your niece, give me this prerogative of speech. What? What? You must amend your drunkenness. Out, scab! Nay, patient, so we break the sinews of our plot. Besides, you waste the treasure of your time with a foolish knight. That's me. I warned you. One Sir Andrew. I knew twas me, for many do call me fool. <laughs> what employment have we here? Oh, now is the woodcock near to jig. Oh, peace. And the spirit of humor is intimate, reading aloud to him. By my life, this is my lady's hand. These be her very C's, her U's, and her T's. And thus she makes her great P's. 
It is in contempt of question, her hand. Her C's? Her U's and her T's? Why that? Shh! To the unknown beloved, this and my good wishes. Her very phrases. By your leave, Wax. Soft. And the impressure, her Lucrece, with which she uses to seal. Tis, my lady. And to whom should this be? Jove knows I love, but who? Lips do not move. No man must know. No man must know. What follows? The numbers altered. No man must know. If this should be thee, Malvolio... Mary, hang thee, Brock. I may command where I adore, but silence like a Lucrece knife with bloodless stroke my heart doth gore. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. A Faustian riddle. Excellent wench, say I. M-O-A-I doth sway my life. Nay, but first let me see, let me see, let me see. I may command where I adore. Why, she may command me. I serve her. She is my lady. Why, this is evident to any formal capacity. There is no obstruction in this. And the end. What should that alphabetical position portend? If I could make that resemble something in me. Softly. M-O-A-I. M. Malvolio. M. Why, that begins my name. Did I not say he would work it out? The cur is excellent at a fault. M. But then there is no consonancy in the sequel that suffers under probation. A should follow, but O does. And O shall end, I hope. Aye, or I'll cuddle him and make him cry O. <laughs> and then I comes behind. M-O-A-I. Uh, this simulation is not as the former, and yet to crush it a little, it would bow to me, for every one of these letters are in my name. Soft, here follows prose. If this fall into thy hand, revolve. In my stars I am above thee, but be not afraid of greatness. Some are born great. Some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Thy fates open their hands. Let thy blood and spirit embrace them. And to inure thyself to what thou art like to be, cast thy humble sloth and appear fresh. Be opposite with a kinsman, surly with servants. Let thy tongue tang arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity. She thus advises thee... That sighs for thee. Remember who commended thy yellow stockings and wished to see thee ever cross-gartered. I say, remember, go to, thou art made, if thou desirest to be so. If not, let me see thee a steward still, the fellow of servants, and not worthy to touch fortune's fingers. Farewell, she that would alter services with thee, the fortunate... Unhappy. <sighs> Daylight and champion discovers not more.
this is open. I will be proud. I will read politic authors. I will baffle Sir Toby. I will wash off gross acquaintance. I will be point devise the very man. I do not now fool myself to let imagination jade me, for every reason excites to this, that my lady loves me. <laughs> she did commend my yellow stockings of late. She did praise my leg being cross-garted. And in this she manifests herself to my love, and with a kind of injunction drives me to these habits of her liking. I thank my stars. <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> I will be strange, stout, in yellow stockings, and cross-garted, even with the swiftness of putting on. Jove and my stars be praised. <laughs> oh, here is yet a postscript. Ah, thou canst not choose but know who I am. If thou entertainst my love, let it appear in thy smiling. Thy smiles become thee well. Therefore, in my presence, still smile, dear my sweet, I prithee, <laughs> Jehovah, I thank thee, I will smile, I will do everything that thou wilt have me! <laughs> I will not give my part of this sport for a pension of thousands to be paid from the Sophie. I could marry this wench for this device. <laughs> so could I, too. And ask no other dowry with her but such another jest. Uh, nor I neither. Oh, here comes the noble Gulkett. Wilt thou set thy foot on my knife? <laughs> oh, or a mine, either? Shall I play my freedom at trade trip and become thy bondsley? Faith, or I either? Why, thou hast put him in such a dream that when the image of it leaves him, he must run mad. Nay, but say true. Does it work upon him? Like aqua vitae with a midwife. If you will then see the fruits of the sport, mark his first approach before my lady. He will come to her in yellow stockings, and tis a color she abhors and cross-gartered, a fashion she detests. And he will smile upon her, which will now be so unsuitable to her disposition, being addicted to a melancholy as she is, that it cannot but turn him into a notable contempt. If you will see it, follow me. To the gates of Tartar, thou most excellent devil of wit. I'll make one, too. Friend and thy music. Dost thou live by thy tabor? No, sir, I live by the church. Art thou a churchman? No such matter, sir. I do live by the church, for I do live at my house, and my house doth stand by the church. So thou mayst say the king lies by a beggar if a beggar dwell near him, or the church stands by thy tabor if thy tabor stands by the church. You have said, sir, to see this age. A sentence is but a chevril glove to a good wit. How quickly the wrong side may be turned outward. Nay, that's certain. They that dally nicely with words may quickly make them wanton. <gasps> I would, therefore, my sister had had no name, sir. Why, madam? Why, sir, 
Her name's a word, and to dally with that word might make my sister wanton. But indeed, words are very rascals since bonds disgraced them. Thy reason? Troth, sir, I can yield you none without words, and words are grown so false I am loath to prove reason with them. <laughs> I warrant thou art a merry lady and carest for nothing. Not so, sir. I do care for something. But in my conscience, sir, I do not care for you. If that be to care for nothing, sir, I would, it would make you invisible. <sighs> Art not thou the Lady Olivia's fool? No, indeed, sir. The Lady Olivia has no folly. She will keep no fool, sir, till she be married, and fools are as like husbands as pilchers are to herrings. The husband's the bigger. <laughs> I am, indeed, not her fool, but her corrupter of words. <laughs> I saw thee late at the Countelcino's. Foolery, sir, does walk about the orb like the sun. It shines everywhere. I would be sorry, sir, but the fool should be as oft with your master as with my mistress. I think I saw your wisdom there. Nay, and thou pass upon me. I'll no more with thee. Hold, there's expenses for thee. Now, Jove, in his next commodity of hair, send thee a beard. Oh, by my troth, I'll tell thee I'm almost sick for one, though I would not have it grow on my chin. Is thy lady within? Would not a pair of these have bred, sir? Yes, being kept together and put to use. I would play Lord Pandarus of Phrygia, sir, to bring a Cressida to this Troilus. I understand you, madam. Tis well begged. The matter, I hope, is not great, sir, begging but a beggar. Cressida was a beggar. My lady is within, sir. I will conster to them whence you come. Who you are and what you would are out of my welkin. I might say element, but the word is overworn. This lady is wise enough to play the fool, and to do that well craves a kind of wit. She must observe the mood on whom she jests, the quality of persons and the time, and, like the haggard, check at every feather that comes before her eye. This is a practice as full of labour as a wise man's art, for folly that she wisely shows is fit, but wise men, folly fallen, Quite taint the wit. Mm -hmm. Save you, gentlemen. And you, sir? Dear Vugard, monsieur? Et vous aussi, votre serviteur? Ah, I hope so, sir. You are, and I am yours. Will you encounter the house? My niece is desirous you should enter, if your trade be to her. I am bound to your niece, sir. I mean, she is the list of my voyage. Taste your legs, sir. Put them to motion. My legs do better understand me, sir, than I understand what you mean by bidding me taste my legs. I... To go, sir. To enter. Uh, I will answer you with gate and entrance. Oh, but we are prevented. Most excellent, accomplished lady, the heavens rain odours on you. 
That youth's a rare courtier. Rain odours. Well. My matter hath no voice, lady, but your own. Most pregnant and vouchsafed ear. Odours? Pregnant and vouchsafed? I'll get them all three all ready. Let the garden door be shut and leave me to my hearing. Come along, Sir Andrew. Give me your hand, sir. My duty, madam, and most humble service. What is your name? Cesario is your servant's name, fair princess. My servant, sir? Twas never merry world since lowly feigning was called compliment. Your servant to the Count Orsino, youth. And he is yours, and his must needs be yours. Your servant's servant is your servant, madam. For him, I think not on him. For his thoughts, would they were blanks rather than filled with me. Madam, I come to wet your gentle thoughts on his behalf. Oh, by your leave, I pray you. I bade you never speak again of him. But would you undertake another suit? I had rather hear you to solicit that than music from the spheres. Dear lady. Give me leave, beseech you. I did send, after the last enchantment you did hear, a ring in chase of you. So did I abuse myself, my servant, and I fear me you. Under your hard construction must I sit to force that on you in a shameful cunning which you knew none of yours. What might you think? Have you not set mine honor at the stake and baited it with all the unmuzzled thoughts that tyrannous hearts can think? To one of your receiving enough is shown. A cypress, not a bosom, hides my heart. So let me hear you speak. I pity you. That's a degree to love. No, not a grease, but tis a vulgar proof that very oft we pity enemies. <sighs> Why then, methinks tis time to smile again. Oh, world, how apt the poor are to be proud. If one should be a prey, how much the better to fall before the lion than the wolf. The clock upbraids me with the waste of time. Be not afraid, good youth, I will not have you. And yet when wit and youth is come to harvest, your wife is like to reap a proper man. There lies your way, due west. Then westward ho, grace and good disposition attend your ladyship. You're nothing, madam, to my lord by me? Stay! I prithee, tell me what thou thinkst of me. That you do think you are not what you are. If I think so, I think the same of you. Then think you right, I am not what I am. I would you were as I would have you be. Would it be better, madam, than I am? I wish it might, for now I am your fool. What a deal of scorn looks beautiful in the contempt and anger of his lip. A murderous guilt shows not itself more soon than love that would seem hid. Love's night is noon. Cesario! By the roses of the spring, by maidenhood, honor, truth, and everything, I love thee so that maugre all thy pride, nor wit nor reason can my passion hide. Do not extort thy reasons from this clause, for that I woo, thou therefore hast no cause. But rather reason thus with reason fetter. Love sought is good, but given unsought is better. By innocence I swear, and by my youth, I have one heart, one bosom, and one truth, and that no woman has, nor never none shall mistress be of it, save I alone. And so adieu, good madam. Never more will I my master's tears to you deplore. Yet come again, 
for thou perhaps mayest move that heart which now abhors to like his love. No, Faith, I'll not stay a jot longer. Thy reason, dear Venom, give thy reason. You must needs yield your reason, Sir Andrew. Mary, I saw your niece do more favors to the Count's serving man than ever she bestowed upon me. I sought in the orchard. Did she see thee the while, old boy? Tell me that. As plain as I see you now. This was a great argument of love in her toward you. Slight. Will you make an ass of me? I will prove it legitimate, sir, upon the oath of judgment and reason. And they have been grand jurymen since before Noah was a sailor. She did show favor to the youth in your sight only to exasperate you. To awaken your dormouse valor, to put fire in your heart and brimstone in your liver. You should then have accosted her, and with some excellent jests, fire new from the mint, you should have banged the youth into dumbness. This was looked for at your hand, and this was balked. The double guilt of this opportunity you let time wash off, and you are now sailed into the north of my lady's opinion, where you will hang like an icicle on a Dutchman's beard unless you redeem it by some laudable attempt, either of valor or policy. And be any way, it must be with valor. For policy I hate. I had as lief be a brownest as a politician. Why then, build me thy fortunes upon the basis of valor. Challenge me the Count's youth to fight with him. Hurt him in eleven places. My niece shall take note of it, and assure thyself there is no love broker in the world can more prevail than man's commendation with woman than report of valor. There is no way but this, Sir Andrew. Will either of you bear me a challenge to him? Hmm. Go. Write it in a martial hand. Be cursed and brief. It is no matter how witty, so it be eloquent and full of invention. Taunt him with the license of ink. If thou vowest him some thrice, it shall not be amiss. And as many lies as will lie in thy sheet of paper, although the sheet were big enough for the bed of ware in England, set him down. <laughs> Go about it. Let there be gall enough in thy ink, though thou write with a goose pen. No matter. <laughs> about it. Where shall I find you? We'll call thee at the cubiculo and go. This is a dear man <laughs> to you, said Toby. I have been dear to him, lad, some two thousand strong or so. We shall have a rare letter from him. But you'll not deliver it? Never trust me, then. And by all means, stir on the youth to an answer. I think oxen and wain ropes cannot hail them together. For Andrew, if he were opened and you find so much blood in his liver as will clog the foot of a flea, I'll eat the rest of the anatomy. And his opposite, the youth, bears in his visage no great presage of cruelty. Look, where the youngest wren of mine comes. If you desire the spleen and will laugh yourself into stitches, follow me. Yon gull, Malvolio, is turned heathen. A very renegado, for there is no Christian that means to be saved by believing rightly can ever believe such impossible passages of grossness. Oh, he's in yellow stockings. And cross-gartered? 
most villainously, like a pedant that keeps a school of the church. I have dodged him like his murderer. He does obey every point of the letter that I dropped to betray him. He does smile his face into more lines than is in the new map with the augmentation of the Indies. You have not seen such a thing as Tis. I can hardly forbear hurling things at him. I know my lady will strike him. If she do, he'll smile and take it for a great favor. <laughs> Come, bring us. Bring us where he is. Antonio, I would not by my will have troubled you, but... Since you make your pleasure of your pains, I will no further chide you. I could not stay behind you. My desire, more sharp than violent steel, did spur me forth. And not all love to see you, though so much as might have drawn one to a longer voyage, but jealousy, what might befall your travel, being skillless in these parts, which, to a stranger, unguided and unfriended often prove rough and unhospitable. My willing love, the rather by these arguments of fear set forth in your pursuit. My kind Antonio, I can no other answer make but this, and thanks, and ever thanks, and oft good turns are shuffled off with such uncurrent pay. But were my worth, as is my conscience firm, you should find better dealing. What's to do? Shall we go see the relics of this town? Tomorrow, sir. Best first go see your lodging. I am not weary, and tis long tonight. I pray you, let us satisfy our eyes with the memorials and the things of fame that do renown the city. Would you pardon me? I do not without danger walk these streets. Once in a sea fight against the Count, his galleys, I did some service. Of such note, indeed, that were I tame here, it would scarce be answered. Be like you slew great number of his people? The offense is not of such a bloody nature, albeit the quality of the time and quarrel might well have given us bloody argument. I might have since been answered in repaying what we took from them, which, for traffic's sake, most of our city did, only myself stood out, for which, if I be lapsed in this place, I shall pay dear. Do not then walk too open. It doth not fit me. Holter, here's my purse. In the south suburbs, at the elephant, is best to lodge. I will bespeak our diet whilst you beguile the time and feed your knowledge with the viewing of the town. There shall you have me. Why I your purse? Haply your eye shall light upon some toy you have desired to purchase, and your store, I think, is not for idle markets, sir. I'll be your purse bearer and leave you for an hour. To Belfant. I do remember. I have sent after him. He says he'll come. How shall I feast him? What bestow of him? For youth is bought more oft than begged or borrowed. I speak too loud. Where's Malvolio? He is sad and civil and suits well for a servant with my fortunes. Where is Malvolio? He's coming, madam, but in a very strange manner. He's sure possessed, madam. Why, what's the matter? Does he rave? 
No, madam, he does nothing but smile. Your ladyship were best to have some guard about you if he come, for sure the man is tainted in his words. <laughs> Go call him hither. I am as mad as he, if sad and merry madness equal be. How now, Malvolio? Sweet lady. <laughs> Smilest thou? I sent for thee upon a sad occasion. Sad, lady, I could be sad. This does make some obstruction in the blood, this cross-gartering. But what of that? If it please the eye of one, it is with me as the very true sonnet is. Please one, and please all. Why, how dost thou, man? What is the matter with thee? Not black in my mind, though yellow in my legs. It did come to his hands, and commands shall be executed. I think we do know the sweet Roman hand. Wilt thou go to bed, Malvolio? To bed? Aye, sweetheart, and I'll come to thee. <laughs> oh, God, comfort thee! Why dost thou smile so and kiss thy hand so off? <laughs> How do you, Malvolio? At your request, yes, nightingales and sedors. <laughs> Why appear you with this ridiculous boldness before my lady? Be not afraid of greatness, twas well writ. What meanst thou by that, Malvolio? Some are born great. Huh? Some achieve greatness. What sayst thou? And some have greatness thrust oh, upon them. Oh, heaven restore thee! <laughs> Remember who commended thy yellow stockings? Thy yellow stockings? And wish to see thee cross-gartered. Cross-gartered? <laughs> Go to, thou art made, if thou desirest to be so. Am I made? If not, let me see thee a servant still. <laughs> Why, this is very midsummer madness. <laughs> Madam, the young gentleman of the Count Orsino's is returned. Could hardly entreat him back. He attends your ladyship's pleasure. I'll come to him. Good Maria, let this fellow be looked to. Where's my cousin Toby? Let some of my people have a special care of him. I would not have him miscarry for the half of my dowry. <laughs> Do you come near me now? No worse man than Sir Toby to look to me. This concurs directly with the letter. She sends him on purpose that I may appear stubborn to him, for she incites me to that in the letter. Cast thy humble slough, says she. Be opposite with the kinsmen, surly with servants. Let thy tongue tang with arguments of state. Put thyself into the trick of singularity, and consequently sets down the manner how. As a sad face, a reverend carriage, a slow tongue, in the habit of some sir of note, and so forth. I have limed her, but it is Jove's doing, and Jove make me thankful. And when she went away now, let this fellow be looked to. Fellow, not Malvolio, nor after my degree, but a fellow. Why, everything appears together, that no dram of a scruple, no scruple of a scruple, no obstacle, no incredulous or unsafe circumstance. What can be said? Nothing that can be can come between me and the full prospect of my hopes. Well, Jove, not I, is the doer of this. 
and he is to be thanked. Which way is he? In the name of sanctity, for all the devils of hell be drawn in little, and legion himself possessed him, yet now speak. Uh, here he is, here he is. Uh, how is it with you, sir? How is it with you, man? Go off. I discard you. Let me enjoy my private. Go off. Lo, how hollow the fiend speaks within him. Did not I tell you? Sir Toby, my lady, prays you to have a care of him. Aha, does she so? Go to, go to. Peace, peace, we must deal gently with him. Let me alone. How do you, Malvolio? How is it with you? What man? Defy the devil. Consider... He's an enemy to mankind. Do you know what you say? Law, you, and you speak ill of the devil how he takes it at heart. Pray God he be not bewitched. Carry his water to the wise woman. Mary, and it shall be done tomorrow morning if I live. My lady would not lose him for more than I'll say. Oh, now, mistress. Oh, Lord. Prithee, hold thy peace. This is not the way. Do you not see you move him? Let me alone with him. No way but gentleness. Gently, gently. The fiend is rough and will not be roughly used. Why, how now, my ballcock? How dost thou, Chuck? Sir! I bid him come with me. What man, tis not for gravity to play at Cherry's Pit with Satan? Hang him, foul collier. Get him to say his prayers, good Sir Toby. Get him to pray. My prayers, Minx? No, I warrant you, he will not hear of godliness. Go hang yourselves all. You are idle, shallow things. I am not of your element. You shall know more hereafter. <laughs> it's possible. If this were a play upon a stage now, I could condemn it as an improbable fiction. His very genius has taken the infection in the device, man. Nay, pursue him now, lest the device take air and taint. Oh, why, we shall make him mad indeed. Well, the house will be the quieter. Come, we'll have him in a dark room and bound. <laughs> My niece is already in the belief that he's mad. We may carry it thus for our pleasure in his penance till our very pastime, tired out of breath, prompts us to have mercy on him, at which time we will bring the device to the bar and crown thee for a finder of madmen. But see, but see. Ah, Sir Andrew! <laughs> oh, more matter for a May morning. Here's the challenge. Read it. I warrant there's vinegar and pepper in Is it so saucy? Aye, is I warrant him. Do it read. Give me. <clears throat> Youth, whatsoever thou art, thou art but a scurvy fellow. Good and valiant. Wonder not, nor admire not in thy mind why I do call thee so, for I will show thee no reason for it. Oh, good note, and that keeps you from the blow of the law. Thou comes to the Lady Olivia, and in my sight she uses thee kindly. But thou liest in thy throat. That is not the matter I challenge thee for. Very brief, and, and to exceeding good sense, less. I will waylay thee going home.
where if it be thy chance to kill me, <clears throat> God, thou killst me like a rogue Still, and a villain. You keep it a windy side of the law. Good. Fare thee well, and God have mercy upon one of our souls. He may have mercy upon mine, but my hope is better, and so look to thyself, thy friend, as thou uses him, and thy sworn enemy, Andrew Egivchik. If this letter move him not, his legs cannot die. I, I, I'll give it to him. You may have a very fit occasion for it. He is now in some commerce with my lady and will by and by depart. Go, Sir Andrew. Scout me for him at the corner of the orchard, like a bum bailey. So soon as ever thou seest him, draw. And as thou drawest, swear horrible. For it comes off to pass that a terrible oath with a swaggering accent, sharply twanged off, gives manhood more approbation than ever proof itself would have earned him. <laughs> Away. Oh, nay. Let me alone for swearing. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> now will I not deliver his letter. For the behavior of the young gentleman gives him out to be of good capacity in breathing. His employment between his lord and my niece confirms no less. Therefore, this letter, being so <laughs> excellently ignorant... <clears throat> will breed no terror in the youth. He will find it comes from a clodpole. But, sir, I will deliver his challenge by word of mouth. Set upon Eguchik a notable report of valor, and drive the gentleman, as I know his youth will aptly receive it, into a most hideous opinion of his rage, skill, fury, and impetuosity. This will so fright them both, they will kill one another by the look, like cockatrices. Uh, and here he comes with your niece. Give him way till he take leave, and, and presently after. I will meditate the while upon some horrid message for a challenge. Oh, I have said too much unto a heart of stone, and laid mine honor to unchary on it. There's something in me that reproves my fault, but such a headstrong, potent fault it is that it but mocks reproof. With the same heavy that your passion bears, goes on my master's griefs. Here, wear this jewel for me. Tis my picture. Refuse it not, it hath no tongue to vex you. And I beseech you, come again tomorrow. What shall you ask of me that I'll deny that honor saved may upon asking give? Nothing but this, your true love for my master. How, with mine honor, may I give him that which I have given to you? I will acquit you. Well, come again tomorrow. Fare thee well. The fiend like thee might bear my soul to hell. Gentlemen, God save thee. And you, sir? That defense thou hast, betake thee to it. Of what? Nature, the wrongs are thou hast done him, I know not, but thy interceptor, full of despite, bloody as the hunter, attends thee at the orchard end. Dismount thy tuck, be ere in thy preparation, for thy assailant is quick, skillful, and deadly. You mistake, sir. I'm sure no man hath any quarrel to me. My remembrance is very free and clear from any image of offence done to any man. You'll find it otherwise, I assure you. Therefore, if you hold your life at any price, betake you to your guard. For your opposite hath in him what youth, strength, skill, and wrath can furnish man withal. I pray you, sir, what is he? He is knight, 
dubbed with an unhatched rapier and on carpet consideration, but he is a devil in private brawl. Souls and bodies hath he divorced three. And his incensement at this moment is so implacable that satisfaction can be none but by pangs of death and sepulchre. Hobnob is his word, gift or taint. I will return again into the house and desire some conduct of the lady. I am no fighter. I've heard of some kind of men that put quarrels purposely on others to taste their valour. But like this is a man of that quirk. Sir, no. His indignation derives itself out of a very competent injury. Therefore, get you on and give him his desire. Back you shall not to the house, unless you undertake that with me, with which is much safety you might answer him. Therefore, on, or strip your sword naked, for meddle you must, that's certain, or forswear to wear iron about you. This is as uncivil as strange. <clears throat> I beseech you... Do me this courteous office as to know of the knight what my offence to him is. It is something of my negligence, nothing of my purpose. Mm, I will do so. Signor Fabian, stay you by this gentleman to my return. Pray you, sir, do you know of this matter? I know the knight is incensed against you, even to a mortal arbitrament, but... Nothing of the circumstance more. I beseech you, what manner of man is he? Oh, nothing of that wonderful promise. To read him by his form, as you are like to find him in the proof of his valor. He is indeed, sir, the most skillful, bloody, and fatal opposite that you could possibly have found in any part of Illyria. Would you walk towards him? I will make your peace with him if I can. I shall be much bound to you for it. I am one that had rather go with Sir Priest than Sir Knight. I care not who knows so much of my metal. Why, man, he's a very devil. I have not seen such a farrago. I had a pass with him, rapier, scabbard and all, and he gives me the stuck in with such a mortal motion that it is inevitable. And on the answer... He pays you as surely as your feet hits the ground they step on. <gasps> they say he has been fencer to the Sophie. Poxant, I'll not meddle with him. Aye, but he will not now be pacified. Fabian can scarce hold him yonder. Plague on it. And I thought he had been valiant and so cunning in fence. I'd have seen him damned ere I'd challenge him. Let the matter slip. And I'll give him my horse, Grey Capulet. Oh. I'll make the motion. Stand here. Make a good show on This shall end without the perdition of souls. <laughs> Mary, I'll ride your horse as well as I ride you. Fabian, I have his horse to take up the quarrel. I have persuaded him to youth's a devil. He is as horribly conceited of him, and pants and looks pale as if a bear were at his heels. <laughs> <clears throat> There's no remedy, sir. He will fight with you for Soth's sake. Mary, he hath better bethought him of his quarrel, and he finds that now scarce to be worth talking of. Therefore, 
Draw for the supportance of his bow. He protests he will not hurt you. Pray God defend me. A little thing would make me tell them how much I lack of a man. Give ground if you see him furious. Come, Sir Andrew, there's no remedy. The gentleman will, for his honor's sake, have one bout with you. He cannot by the duello avoid it, but he hath promised me, as he is a gentleman and a soldier, he will not hurt you. Come on, do it. Pray God he keep his oath. I do assure you, tis against my will. Put up your sword! If this young gentleman have done offense, I take the fault on me. If you offend him, I for him defy you. You, sir. Why? What are you? One, sir, that for his love, there's yet do more than you have heard him brag to you he will. Mm, nay, if you be an undertaker, I am for you. Oh, good sir Toby, hold. Here come the officers. I'll be with you anon. Pray, sir, put your sword up, if you please. Mary, will I, sir? And for that I promised you, I'll be as good as my word. He will bear you easily, and reigns well. This is the man. Do thy office. Antonio, I arrest thee at the suit of Count Orsino. You do mistake me, sir. No, sir, no jot. I know your favor well. Though now you have no sea cap on your head, take him away. He knows I know him well. I must obey. This comes with seeking you. But there's no remedy. I shall answer it. What will you do? Now my necessity makes me to ask you for my purse. It grieves me much more for what I cannot do for you than what befalls myself. Well, you stand amazed, but be of comfort. Come, sir, away. I must entreat of you some of that money. What money, sir? For the fair kindness you have showed me here and... Part being prompted by your present trouble, out of my lean and low ability I'll lend you something. My having is not much. I'll make division of my present with you. Hold, there's half my coffer. Will you deny me now? Is it possible that my deserts to you can lack persuasion? Do not tempt my misery. Lest that it make me so unsound a man as to upbraid you with those kindnesses that I have done for you. I know of none, nor know I you by voice or any feature. I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying, vainness, babbling drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail blood. Oh, heavens themselves! Come, sir, I pray you go. Let me speak a little. This youth that you see here, I snatched one half out of the jaws of death, relieved him with such sanctity of love, and to his image, which methought did promise most venerable worth, did I devotion. What's that to us? This time goes by. Away. Oh, how vile and idle proves this God. Thou hast Sebastian done good future shame. In nature there's no blemish but the mind. None can be called deformed but the unkind. Virtue is beauty 
but the beauteous evil are empty trunks or flourished by the devil. The man grows mad. Away with him. Come, come, sir. Lead me on. Methinks his words do from such passion fly that he believes himself. So do not I. Prove true, imagination. Oh, prove true that I, dear brother, be now tame for you. He named Sebastian. I, my brother, know yet living in my glass. Even such and so in favour was my brother, and he went still in this fashion, colour, ornament, for him I imitate. Oh, if it prove, tempests are kind, and salt waves fresh in love. A very dishonest, paltry boy, and more a coward than a hare. His dishonesty appears in leaving his friend here in necessity and denying him. And for his cowardship, ask Fabian. A coward, a most devout coward, religious in it. Slid. I'll after him again and beat him. Do. Cuff him soundly, but never draw thy sword. And I do not. Come, a city event. I dare lay any money to be nothing yet. We hope you enjoyed Episode 2 of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, featuring Dan Fennedy as the Count Orsino, Santiago Morillo as Curio and Antonio, Patrick Pizzolarusso as Valentine, Sir Andrew Egecheek, and First Officer, Katrina Michaels as Viola, Greg Jackson as the Captain and Malvolio, Michael Pemberton as Sir Toby Belch, Stephanie Tercy as Mariah, Rebecca Vega Romero as Festi, the Fool, Sarah Carolyn Kennedy as the Lady Olivia, and William Burns as Sebastian, Fabian, and Second Officer. Music by Alexandra Kopko and Rebecca Vega Romero. If you want to hear more radio plays, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash standbyforplaces and Instagram at standbyforplacespod.